Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yanyan. Today I'm speaking to ministers. All the rest of you can benefit from what I'm going to say, but I'm going to talk to pastors about how to not become discouraged. The Bible says, keep your eyes on the Lord and follow after those who follow the Lord after a pure heart. Keep your eyes on the good ones that have benefited from your ministry instead of getting upset with all those around them that aren't benefiting and aren't growing in the things of God. So today I'm talking about sins of immaturity. Let's take a look at the Word of God together on how we can become good ministers of the Word of God and mature ministers of the Word of God. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Glad to have you back today. If you want to turn to 2 Timothy, do so. We're going to start in chapter 2 and we're going to read verses 20 through 23. So while you're finding that, again, let me welcome all of you who may be watching for the first time. But I also want to mention those who've only watched a few times, but really it's grabbed hold of you. You've got some testimonies here this week about uh, uh, some who began watching. They said, you know, they thought about, well, this guy's really good. They watched the second time, thought, well, this is really getting good. And they begin to increase and increase. And so I'm just glad I found a slot in your life, along with other ministers, that's become a regular for you. Thank you so much. And again, I teach the Word of God. I, 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 the point is, I try not to give my own interpretation of the Word. The Word is strong enough to speak for itself. I just like to pull it out and give it to you so you can look at the Word of God. And once the Word is revealed to you, then God starts making it individual for you. It begins to apply to your need, your physical need, your family need, your children, whatever it may be, your job situation, all the different uh, necessities and needs of life, the Holy Spirit is able to take one a sermon and twist it three or 4,000 different ways to those watching at the moment and then bless them by it. I mean, I've had people come to me at the end of a service after I preached a sermon, after I opened up a passage of the Word of God and people come up and say, oh, pastor, that was so wonderful. Let me tell you how, I, how the Lord showed me that. And they talk about what the Lord showed them out of that verse. And my first thought is, I, how in the world did you get that out of that? That was what you got out of this verse of scripture. Not that it's not true. I couldn't figure that out. But you know what? If if there were 3,000 people pre present, God can take one passage of scripture and divide it 3,000 different ways and bless everybody in a different way. That's the power of the word of God. I don't need to try to make my own interpretation of it or try that because I'm not narrowing it down to me. I'm gonna let God speak for himself through the word of God. Today, I'm gonna be talking to ministers specifically. You can this, you can sit in, you can take notes for it yourself, but I wanna talk to pastors and this applies to your life also. God can take this and apply it to your life, but I'm gonna talk specifically out of verses directed by God through Paul to Timothy, the pastor of a church on how to handle his church, and we'll be taking that up. In fact, the book I'm using is uh, God's Word to Pastors, and I've just uh, lately redone the book. It's been out for many, many years, but I changed some parts of it over to New King James instead of the Old King James, and uh, taken that, but also added some things to it, some things I've seen through the years, practical application of how to apply the Word of God into a local church, and that's going to be a great blessing for you. The announcer will come on at halftime and tell you how you can have a copy of it all for your Self. And for those of you who are partners with me, thank you. Glad that you have joined me in partnership. You're helping to row this thing. You're not just sitting there again, enjoying it every week, but you've also decided to pick up an oar and start helping me as we cause this to be multiplied out and more and more people watching, more and more nations being blessed, more and more people across the country. If you'd like to become a partner with me and join those who are workers in this ministry, those who help by giving their finances so that we can take the finances and send them out and through natural money, temporary money, we can have eternal rewards. 
getting people saved, discipled, uh, homes put back together, churches help put those back together from the word of God. Then go to my website, bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there where you can become a partner with me. Second Timothy chapter two and verse 20, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, that's from these sins of immaturity that's about to come, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Verse 22, flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart, avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing they only generate strife. This verse is directed toward people in the congregation. The great house he's referring to here is the local church. And God sees your local church as something great. Even if you're meeting in a storefront, in a strip shopping center, or else you've got some building that was meant for something else, but somebody's letting you use it. I mean, our church began in schools. We rented schools. We rented, in fact, we were in a funeral home for about a year. And uh, believe me, you know, it's pretty hard to have praise and worship with a funeral organ. That's all we had. But you know what? We made the best of what we had, we look at those days as important. I don't care how great the house is as far as size. It's a great house because Jesus shows up where two or three are gathered together. He's in the midst. And so when, when we met together, our first 52 people met together and God blessed us. And from there, we grew to a church of many thousands. God blessed us. But we look back on our humble beginnings and realize something. It may not look like much to us, but to God, it was a great house. Why? Because inside were vessels of gold and silver, wood and clay. Now, those four vessels also line up with Mark chapter four of the four different types of ground. And the one who delivers the word to them is the sower. The sower is the pastor of the church. Now, there's another parable where Jesus is the sower and that has to do with the gospel. But we're talking about the word of God and the place there, the ground, the four different types of ground represent four different types of people that attend church. Here we have it under four different types of vessels gold and silver, wood and clay. And these vessels are drinking vessels. And you know, in my house, we have, you know, some really fine crystal. My wife pulls those out for special occasions when somebody special is over and we have a great Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving meal, or we invite some very close friends over for a really nice meal. But then it goes on down to beyond that, there's just regular glassware. Then beyond that going on down, we have plastic cups in the house and even some styrofoam cups. And what if, well, some we just eat, you know, some we just use for the moment, throw away. Others we do clean a little bit and put them back up there. But you know what? In the house of God, there's also those different types of vessels. There are golden ones, silver ones, wood and clay. And notice there's some for honor and some for dishonor. People come to church and they don't honor God and they're not honored in their own life. Others come to honor God and they're honored in their own life. Notice this though, God doesn't make you a vessel of honor and God doesn't make you a vessel of dishonor. You make yourself that. God didn't make you unfit and make you worse than somebody else. He prepared us all the same, but how you handle that makes you a vessel of honor and dishonor. Why? Because verse 21 says that. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, that's about to come, the sins of lusts of youth. He goes on to say, if anyone cleanses himself from this, he will be a vessel of honor. You're the one who makes yourself a vessel of honor. You can move yourself from a vessel of clay or wood or silver to a vessel of gold and sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. How do we do that? 
We flee also youthful lusts. We pursue righteousness. We pursue faith. We pursue love with God and people, peace with those around us who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And we try to avoid foolish and ignorant arguments between each other, knowing they do nothing but generate strife. You know, the four types of ground that were there, three of them were non-useful. One went on to be what was called there, you know, the ground that became good ground. And the good ground produced 30, 60, and 100 fold. But the other ones, they were told about what was wrong in them. They still come to church. They still come to the place where they can make themselves a vessel of honor or they can make themselves better pieces of ground. They can help to get rid of the, of the you know, the roots that's there and they can get rid of the rocks in the ground and they can shoo away the birds that come and try to steal the, the seed that's been sown. It takes diligence to become a real follower of God, a real disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what God is shooting for. Of those four different types of ground, only one went on to be a disciple and that was the good ground. And even it produced 30, increased to 60, produced to a hundredfold. There's different levels, even of those who follow the Lord, who become disciples of the Lord after being born again. That's what this is saying. But pastors, I wanna talk to you for just a moment. None of these different types of ground. What the Lord is simply saying this verse of scripture is that uh, it, by following these things, that if you'll follow the Lord out of a pure heart, avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, he's simply saying here in these verses of scripture, how important it is for us to follow after God. And ministers, who are you keeping your eyes on? Pastors also in this verse of scripture where he says, flee youthful lust. He's not only talking to the members of the congregation, he's also speaking to the congregation itself. These four vessels, again, correspond to the four types of ground in Mark chapter four. All four are believers in a local church, but sins of immaturity include this. And pastors, I wanna really direct this toward you. I know you look around, but we're gonna qualify this in just a moment. Who are you to keep your eyes on? Well, I'm gonna keep them on the Lord, that's true. But we're also told in this verse of scriptures that we're about to read into, and that is the fact that we are also supposed to look for the best ones in the congregation and keep our eyes on them. The problem comes is when you keep your eyes on the ones not doing good and they, they bother you. There's Bill out there, he comes every single week. I just wish he'd learned to follow God. Uh, when's he ever gonna get the word of God for himself and you begin to get discouraged by looking at those that don't have a real intention, a deep time to follow God. I know they still come to church. You might even wonder, why do you still come to church? I don't know. I can't give an account for everybody that came to church when I was pastoring, but this is all I can say was, I'm glad they still keep coming because some of those that I thought would never make it finally one day woke up. Some need hit their life and they begin to realize I go to church, I either sleep through the sermon, I don't pay any attention, I watch people walk in, I watch people walk out, I count ceiling tiles, I just look at my watch waiting for that sermon to be over so I can be out the door and go to the nearest restaurant and live my life and then come back to church maybe during the week once in a while for a midweek service, but mostly I'll be back here next Sunday, I get one meal a week. Well, listen, I can tell you, God is more than that. What I want you to have is a meal when you come to church, but go back home and, and keep going back over it and back over it and eating leftovers. And then the next day, get a meal for yourself by listening to a CD series or a flash drive or reading a book and underline making the word of God an integral part of your everyday life. Now that sometimes happens immediately when a person gets born again and they go right on into discipleship. But in most cases, I can tell you people get born again after a while, settle back into a lifestyle 
And it takes something that knocks them off their feet, some problem, some immense thing hitting their life to where they finally wake up, or as the statement goes, some people don't look up until they're flat on their back. And some people in my congregation have ended up flat on their back and suddenly woke up and they became strong disciples for the Lord Jesus Christ and moved from ground number one to ground number two to ground number three and finally ended up at ground number four and start producing 30, 60, and 100 fold in their life. And they find, find this, they find fulfillment in the Christian life, not just something to get them saved and take them to heaven. They find fulfillment in life by following the word of God. And all I'm saying to you here is you can believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but once you are born again, you need to turn your attention to the word of God. The object of faith for a sinner is Jesus, but the object of faith for the Christian is the word of God. And once you get born again, you do what Jesus said to those who all just believed in him. He said to those who just believed in him, now, if you'll continue in my word, then you'll be my disciples indeed. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. It's not the truth that makes you free, it's knowing the truth that makes you free. And when we come back from the break, we're gonna talk about sins of immaturity because that's what he's talking about here in this verse of scripture. He says, if anyone will cleanse himself from this, he said, avoid these things, but flee youthful lusts. The Greek actually says sins of immaturity. We'll talk about them when we come back from the break. And I want you to have a copy of this book, God's Word to Pastors. Ministers, I want you to have a copy of this for yourself. It will greatly bless and enhance your ministry. This part I'm talking about is included in the book. See you right after the break. Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Many years ago, I wrote the book called God's Word to Pastors, and now I have updated it. Many new things I have seen from the Word of God applied into this book, and you're gonna be greatly blessed by it. I'm called to be a pastor, I trust you are too, and you will wanna get this book and become greatly impressed by what Paul had to say to pastors in Acts chapter 20, as well as what Jesus Christ has to say to you today. This is my book, God's Word to Pastors. To order your copy, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Let's go back to our passage of scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and let's take a look at verse 22. 2 Timothy 2, 22, the first part's talking about the, the people in the church. There's vessels of wood and clay and silver and gold and how that you can cleanse yourself, become a, a cleansing vessel, a vessel of honor, 
And so, but in verse 22, he now specifically speaks to the pastor. He says, flee also youthful lust. What's he saying with the word also? Don't just tell your congregation to flee lust. Don't just tell them to get to walk free from sin. You do it too. It's one thing to stand in the pulpit and preach to people and listen to yourself and realize something while you're preaching. I need to do this too. I, there's been so many times, listen, pastors don't have to arrive at something to preach on it. You don't have to be totally at health at the moment to preach on healing. No, in fact, there's times I've preached on healing and had a runny nose and had to blow my nose and you know tell people, I need this sermon today just like you do. I do not preach anything because I've arrived at it because there's not anything I have totally arrived at. I preach it because I am part of the congregation. Even though I am the pastor, I'm the head over these sheep as the shepherd over the sheep, but I identify with them. And so I understand that. So I don't have to be walking in full abundance of finances to preach to them on the fact that God wants to bless them financially. No, I need to hear that sermon too. I don't need to preach at them and tell them they need to resist the temptations for lust in the world and, and ignore myself because you know what? I have the same lust they do. Even Jesus was tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. And so that's the point I want. You're not gonna get rid of the temptations that's in the world. They're out there, but you can walk free from them. That's why he says in verse 22, flee also pastors, not just your congregation, you too flee youthful lusts, pursue righteousness, pursue faith, pursue love, pursue peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing they do generate strife. Let's talk about sins of immaturity. What are sins of immaturity? All right. In your congregation, pastors, here's the main thing is you try to compete with other churches. And there's so many ways you try to compete with them. Sins of immaturity include this. You're driven by numbers attending. You think it's successful when the numbers are up. You think it's not successful when the numbers are down. And stop and think about this. Jesus was not impressed by numbers. There were hundreds of thousands. At one time, the Bible says there were great multitudes that followed him. And when the Bible talks about multitudes, I read this in a number of commentaries, all agreed pretty much on this point, even though it's not specifically brought out in the word of God. When the Bible describes there were multitudes that followed him, that could be 10 10 or more thousand, okay, around 10,000. But when it says when great multitudes followed him, we're talking 100,000 or more. And there were so many times when it said great multitudes followed him. And one time when the great multitudes followed him, he turned around, looked at all of them and said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. He was simply talking about discipleship. It's time to move on from the giddiness of being born again to this is the cool and popular thing to do to follow Jesus and realize we're not here just to have a little bit of fun. We're not here to impress people. We are here to dig deep into the word of God. And so to do that, you have to take the word of God and dig into it. And he compared it to eating my flesh and drinking my blood. They thought he was talking about cannibalism and they all looked at each other. I can imagine they looked at watching. Oh, look at that, it's time to go. And the crowd just disappeared dissipated. And all he was left with was with the 12. And they looked at him and he looked at them. And I imagine they were waiting for an explanation. He didn't explain it to him at all. He said, oops, oops. Oh, they all left me. Guys, I could use a group hug. I shouldn't have got rid of all those people. My popularity is made up of those people. My, my ego is satisfied with all these people following me. He didn't say one word. He just looked at his disciples and said, you going to leave me too? 
And Peter was the one that spoke up and said, uh, no, sir. He said, uh, I know one thing, only you have the words of life. I don't understand what in the world you were saying. I don't understand squat what you just said. But listen, you're probably gonna explain it and will make sense at that time. They knew to stick with Jesus. He would always let them know what he meant. So again, pastors, you're driven by numbers attending. And because the church down the street has more people, you're always looking to, when will we reach 1,000? When will we reach 1,500? You might even be saying, when are we gonna reach 300? But the point of it is, it's not numbers attending that's important. It's the quality of the people that are there, the quality of the word that you give. You stick with the quality of the word of God and people will come. It may take a while, but you keep taking that sermon and you make it the best you can. You bring out what the, what the word of God has to say and trust the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So again, number one is you're driven by numbers attending. Number two, you compete to have the largest church in the city. It's not only that you want large numbers, you wanna have the largest. You wanna have the largest church in the city and so you're competing and there may be a church across town that has 10,000, you just have to reach 11,000. There's just everything in you, I have to reach that number. It may be that there's a church that, that that's impressive to you outside of your church that some people have left your church and gone to and they're running 400 and you're running 200. You think, I just gotta double this. And so you put everything into church growth instead of feeding your people. What's the purpose of the church? Feed your people, feed your people, feed your people. Here's one, every sermon must outdo the last. You literally, the last one's good, you gotta make this one better and the next one better. Listen, you may get cheers for some sermon, You may sometimes you may get dead quiet in a service. And again, the compliments that you get, you often look to compliments to judge the quality of your sermon. But you know what, that doesn't isn't necessary. Quiet times, when people don't say anything, that you wonder was the sermon any good or not, all you can understand is, did you preach what God asked you to do? When you close that Bible at the end of the sermon, can you tell yourself, that's exactly what God told me to say? I did what the Holy Spirit, I feel that after it was all over, I've done my job. And I can tell you this, oftentimes the shouting sermons are not the ones remembered five months from now, but the quiet ones are where people took the word of God and it just went inside and began to expose problems in their life. Next of all, you're too moved by compliments and criticism. You feel like you must be loved by everyone. It's not gonna happen. Jesus wasn't loved by everyone. Even his disciples deserted him. So uh, the other one is you preach to impress other ministers. You hear the sermons of the guy down the street and you think that's wonderful. I'm gonna preach this one. I, I just wish somebody would take this to him. Maybe I'll put it in an envelope and send it to him anonymously and say, oh, my preacher preached this last week and you just want them to hear how great you are. You wanna suddenly break into this upper tier of ministers in your city. And the point of it is, I don't think Jesus strived for any of that. He was not in the upper tier of the uh, people in the city, of the Pharisees and Sadducees. He really didn't care. He just came to preach and minister God's word. He came in to, to seek and to save that which was lost. And in the end, he had the 12 disciples. In fact, he really only had 11. One of them deserted him. But again, when he came back to it, the multitudes weren't there. There were some people standing around the cross, but the multitudes were no longer there. They had scattered everywhere. And even his own disciples scattered. Only one came back when he was at the cross, and that was John. The disciples came back together. Jesus again encouraged them. And when he left, those uh, went to the upper room. And with 120, God basically started all over again. And there's times you look at your church and think, you know what? I've started all over again. It's like we had a group of people leave. People often say, did you have a church split? Well, we've had quite a few of them. And it was the fact that people left because they were angry. They just don't come back. And so the point of it is you have to come back to it. Are you pleasing God? And are you preaching the sermons that will change people's lives? Preach and teach the word of God. Preach the word, be instant in season, 
out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And it says, because there's gonna come a time they will not endure sound doctrine. That means the people that have been there and for some time will finally come to a point where they say, ah, we're tired of this word. We're tired of all just this time. And once, once they get outside the church, there's gonna come a time, even it might be months or even years later, they're gonna realize something. That changed my life. How was I so stupid to leave the word of God? And you may see them come back. Here's another one. You preach your own views to distance yourself doctrinally from the previous pastor or from the previous uh, church that your church came out of. And you're out to show how you disagree and how that you're right. And in, at what you end up doing is just causing confusion in the church. Now, there may come a time when you want to say, this is my view, but honestly, bring it out. I can't tell you this is perfectly right. This is how I see it. You make up your own mind, but don't preach it as if I need to straighten you out from all the other teaching that's come before me. And oftentimes you do that and it makes your church ineffective. It makes your people confused because they were raised under the other pastor. And ask yourself a question, is this a heaven or hell issue? Is it so important. I have to straighten the people out over what was taught before as to what's being taught now. I want to get my viewpoint in on it. And you know what? You'll leave one day and somebody else will come in and contradict you because everybody wants some kind of pride in bringing something unique to this congregation when the only thing you need to bring is the word of God and let the word of God speak for itself. You love preaching on controversial issues. Now there's controversial issues and once in a while we have to bring them up. But you know what? That's not your major thing, preaching on controversial issues. Preach and give them good food. Give them good meat, give them good vegetables, give them good bread. Give everything the best you can. Make it a great meal that you serve to your people. Here's another one. You preach to reach a certain demographic. You're trying to draw in a certain uh, color of people, a certain group of people, a certain background of people. And here's what it is. Don't try to draw in a particular group. Just preach to whoever walks in the door. Focus on the character and the purity of the members. Denominational churches usually unite around doctrine. Independent churches revolve around vision. And this is what's so important, that doctrine is important in the church, but the vision of the church is the most important. What should be the vision of the church? That's getting people saved, soul winning, getting them filled with the Holy Spirit, making disciples of them and going into the community. That's the major thing we need to be shooting for. Emphasizing your difference on doctrine. Divide your church from within and even from other churches around you. This is not what God is looking for. So again, what's he saying these verses of scripture? In all these verses of scripture, what God is saying here again to the ministers is flee youthful lust, pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Pastors, I simply come back to this. You're gonna look out over that congregation. You know what you're gonna see? You're gonna see people that you say every week, why do they still keep coming? They don't care about this church. They come in here and they, you know, businessmen come to meet other business people and make business deals and men come to meet women and women come to meet men. They're looking for dates. They're looking for other things in the church, but they're not looking for the righteousness of God. And you find yourself stuck with bad ground Stony ground, thorny ground, and only a few of them reach good ground over here. You know what this verse says? Listen to this. Keep your eyes on the good ones, not the bad ones. Flee youthful lust, pursue righteousness. Notice this, righteousness, faith, and love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Keep your eyes on the good ones, not on the bad ones. You look out there and see people not, uh, not arriving and it discourages you and you try harder to get them to change. Just keep preaching the word. You can't make them change. The group that's over here that is now calling on the Lord out of a pure heart are the ones who receive the word you gave, 
applied it to their life, have stood on it. It changed their life. It changed their business. It changed their family. They're so grateful. They didn't do anything that this group over here can't do, but you keep looking at that, trying to make this group become this group. Keep your eyes on the good ones. Keep your eyes on the ones following God. And this is what Jesus had to do. Oh yes, he encouraged those who weren't, chewed out some that weren't following him, but gave praise to those who did. And this is what we want to do in our congregations. Again, I come back to it. You want a church that is successful and pastors you want to go home at night and sleep, keep your eyes on the ones following after him, following after you. In fact, they encourage you to preach better next week, to keep feeding those people, keep giving them the absolute best. I'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. Join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.